workers with the children's ministry as well. Brianna, thank you for that medley of songs about the cross. Don't you love the cross? Amen. Amen. I love it. And uh, one of the first messages I preached, a candidating message at a church in Columbia, South Carolina, before I became the pastor, and they had named the topic, and they said, would you preach on the cross? I said, oh, boy, I love that. You can name that all the time. We'll preach on the cross. I love it. Linda and I want to thank you for the generous gift that you gave us for the uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. Thank you so much. Our privilege to be here. This is our 13th Sunday. We were going to be here six to eight weeks, and God's multiplying it a little bit longer. And we are, we're delighted for the opportunity to be here praying every day for the pastor, the new pastor that God's going to give uh, here at the church. And uh, we enjoy coming over, and we will celebrate anniversaries with ice cream anytime you get ready to. <clears throat> this is the eatingest church I've been a part of in my life. And uh, looking forward, looking forward to that time tonight as we, as we celebrate. Today I want to preach on the subject of gaining by losing. Gaining by losing. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, in the text we're looking at today is chapter 3 of Philippians verses 4 through 11, entitled Gaining by Losing. It's actually using some terms that are accounting terms. My youngest son is a CPA accountant in the Clemson uh, area, and uh, So here's some accounting terms being used uh, in this text of Scripture. The Apostle Paul is addressing the Judaizers. We looked at that last week in chapter 3, verse 1. He said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That's the theme of the book of Philippians. Here the Apostle Paul finds himself in prison, and over and over again he tells us to rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord, to write The same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, not troublesome to me. But for you it is safe. It's a safeguard if I write this to the Philippian believers there in that church. Beware of dogs. There he's calling the Judaizers. Normally the Jews would call Gentiles dogs. But he said, beware of the dogs, talking about these uh, harmful Judaizers that were adding to salvation by grace through faith in Christ Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision, actually, a a use of words there, mutilation, referring to circumcision. They were saying you had to be circumcised to be saved. Verse 3 says, for we are the circumcision. We are the true circumcision, not just uh, bodily, but inside, spiritually. We have been, our hearts have been circumcised, and we are now true believers in Christ, which worship God in the spirit Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He's going to now, in the next section of this book, in the next uh, verses 4 through 11, he's going to talk about confidence in the flesh. It's very easy for you and me to put confidence in our own flesh. And the songs that we sang today and that were played remind me over and over the truths of Scripture There's a song, probably one of the oldest hymns in our hymn book, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. One of the lines there said, Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We try to put confidence in our own flesh. We're going to lose every time. 
And we're going to see that illustrated in this passage of Scripture. Notice with me beginning in verse 4 of Philippians chapter 3. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He's not bragging here. He's just pointing out to these Judaizers, if anybody had a, a, a right to have confidence in the flesh, I would have. He says, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I even more. I could if I wanted to. He's not, he's not bragging. He's just pointing out to the Judaizers who are putting all their confidence in their own flesh, the unsaved people who have now said, you received Jesus as Savior, then you're going to add on something. And Jesus plus anything is no salvation at all. No salvation at all. Here in this text of scripture, he's going to relay what Jesus does for him at his salvation. We won't look at it today, but Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 22, you have a, a relaying of the salvation testimony of the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. What a difference Jesus makes. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that was true in the life of the Apostle Paul. He said, my life has truly changed in the salvation I received through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after my salvation, our life has changed as well. And notice with me, he says here in verse 5, he says, Here's, here's a list of some things he had really nothing to do about. He didn't make any choices about this. This is something that came through his family. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. So he had been circumcised, and those Judaizers said that was necessary for salvation, but he's going to let them know it's not necessary for my salvation. But I was circumcised. I'm a real Jew. That's what he's saying. I'm a real Jew circumcised the eighth day. Some of these other people, when they came to know the Lord, were circumcised on the 30th day or the 30th year. He says, just as the law said, I was circumcised the eighth day. He said, I'm also of the stock of Israel. I am a true Jew. I'm a true Jew. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, a beloved tribe. Even when the, the separation between uh, the two uh, nations when they had uh, Judea and the upper uh, kingdom, uh, these Benjamites were true to David. They were true to Israel. He said, I, this is, I'm a real Jew. I mean, I'm a, a chosen Jew. He said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I mean, we got some folks that where I used to pastor, they were country when country wasn't cool. These guys, this guy, he's a Jew uh, of all Jews here, he said, I'm a real Jew. Not only do I speak the Jewish, the Hebrew language, he said, my parents were both Jews. The Judaizers couldn't necessarily say that. They might have had one that was a Gentile and one that was a Jew, and, and they couldn't say that. But he could say, I tell you, I'm the real deal as far as Jews are concerned. And again, he's not bragging. He said, if anybody had a right to be confident in the flesh, I'm going to show you some, some ways that I could have if I wanted to. He says, as touching the law, a Pharisee. I mean, he said, I, I, we were the strictest of the sects of the Jews. We, we, we did everything. And matter of fact, we even added on some, as the Pharisees did. But I was a Pharisee as touching the law. Verse 6, 
concerning zeal. That was a key word for Judaizers. They, they said, boy, you, you need to be zealous in whatever you do. Be sincere in whatever you do. He was. He was zealous. He was sincere. He was the one that held the clothes when Stephen was stoned. I mean, he, he, was, he was the one who persecuted the church. He'll say that in a minute. The next one, he says, persecuting the church. He said, I was opposed to the ones that, were, that uh, believed the gospel. I was opposed to them. I was on the other side at one time. He says, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. If you, if you would have matched me up as a Jew, I would have passed every test you gave. I was blameless. He's not saying that he was saved now. We're not saved by the works of righteousness. We're saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you want to match me up as a Jew, I pass the test. But notice verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Here he's using two accounting terms. Gain or profit. And then loss as a business loss. He he said, I have counted everything when I came to know Christ. All of what he had. Now, he never did in the book of Acts. You can see that he, he still held to being a Jew in his past, still a Jew, even used that uh, rightfully, a citizen of Rome and a Jew. And they went, when he took the trip to, to Rome on that ship, had that uh, shipwreck in the last part of the book of Acts. He never did deny or denounce that. But he said, if you hold that up, that is lost to me compared to what I found in Christ. When I found him, I found everything. When I found Christ. You know, there are things we can do in our own flesh that we think somehow merits the favor of God. Sometimes I'm for all for standards, but sometimes we can put standards up and say, now look, I got saved, but man, I got these good standards too. And because of that, God looks on me with greater favor than he does other Christians. Dr. Otis Holmes was the director of church planting that I went to Houston, my first church. I started a church in Houston in 1982, so over 40 years ago. Dr. Otis Holmes would sing a little song. He'd learned it from Calvary Baptist Church down in Columbia when he'd pastored down there. A lot of people saved, a lot of people baptized. And he would talk about uh, how that they used to give out Sunday school pins. I don't know if you have that or not, but I remember the days when uh, if you had perfect attendance or only missed one or two Sundays, they'd give you a Sunday school pin. And this guy, he would always boasting about how good he was because he got the Sunday school pen. He got one this year. He got one next year. He got one the next year and the next year. Right on along. And Dr. Holmes has this little poem or little song that went along with that. He talked about this man who got these Sunday school pens and they went all the way down his coat and all the way down. And one day he died. Coming out of church, he tripped over a Sunday school pen and fell down the steps and died. We can put confidence in all kind of achievements that we have. 
But knowing Christ is the key. Knowing Christ is the key. We can take God at his word just as he said. And we look at some of the things in our, in our past. Maybe our degrees are, oh, you know, we finished high school or we went to college or we got some kind of seminary degree or a doctor's degree or, you know, I believe we're going to be dying by degrees ourselves sometime. We, we, we put it in our own achievements. No confidence in the flesh. Or the temptation often for old, older people. I'm already in that category. I've got a little sign at home that said, now it's very interesting. I'm the same age as old people. <laughs> but you know what the temptation is? It's for us, instead of having a fresh walk daily with God, getting sermons from the scripture on a regular basis, it's pretty easy for us to try to live in our years of experience. Our own achievements. I thank God for the young men. Young men in ministry, some of them in this church. I thank the Lord for them. And uh, they encourage me. I am, I'm excited about trying to be a Barnabas to young men in the ministry today. And those who are seeking Christ and following God and those who are preaching his word. But this text shatters self-righteousness. It, it shatters a spiritual blindness that these Judaizers had. Not being dependent on self, but totally dependent on Christ. We sang about it without him. I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Not dependent upon self. He says in verse 7, but those things which were gain to me. Again, a counting term. Those things which were gain to me, I counted as loss. I counted as loss. It's in a perfect tense. I have counted in the past Something that is now true for me in, the, in these days, the days which I live. I have, a, I have counted a completed action. I've counted it as loss. What I thought and what others would call gain. Verse 8, he says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things. He's got a list of eight things in verses 5 and 6. But now he says, I've counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, refuse, that I may win Christ. What a statement. What a statement. Indeed, gaining by losing. What Paul thought or could have thought before his salvation was gain, he now counts as loss. He says this in verse 8, I count all things but loss. 
He puts, he said, I'm, I'm putting it in the, in the accounting terms. I, I've got a profit column and I've got a loss column. And what I had used to have in the profit column, all of it now is in the loss column. Except knowing Jesus. Except knowing him. All of these things did have value in the past, he might have said. But now, no value at all. in compared to my salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by ritual. It's through knowing him. It's not by joining a church or a baptism, as you know, or a mass or a sacrament or Lord's Supper. It's in knowing him. It's in knowing Jesus. It doesn't come by my nationality or my race. It's in knowing him. Jesus loves all people. He died for the sins of the whole world. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. It's not our nationality, our race. It's not where we're from. You could be from Cape Cod or a little country town near where I pastored called Beaver Dam. They had their own dialect. I almost had, when I went there as a pastor, and it was a southern country church, I'm going to tell you it was. As I said, it was country when country wasn't cool. And it I, when I went there, I almost had to have somebody interpret somebody from Beaver Dam. It doesn't matter where you're from. It's not your background, nationality, or race. It's knowing Jesus as Savior. I, when I pastored in Houston, Texas, I told you before that it took a little getting used to those folks from India uh, that the dot kind, not the feather kind, and who would come and they would run in front of you at the grocery store because it was caste society where if you had a lot of money, you had position, you would move in front of people uh, in, even at the grocery store. And you went to the grocery store and hardly heard anybody speak English. I mean, I'd gone to Texas now to start a church and couldn't find anybody. I didn't find any Texans over there hardly. But every one of them needed Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus died for them too. The people who ended up joining our church. One time we had Dr. Marvin Lewis came uh, on a Sunday night. Uh, he was head of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions at the time. A little, little church just getting started. It had 36 people and they were from eight different countries. Eight different countries. We fell in love with those little Chinese children. My wife taught a school, and uh, so she would work in the evenings teaching English to people that would sign up, business people that would move from Taiwan or somewhere. And they said, uh, you know, we want our children to learn English. And after a few lessons with them in the home, she would say, one of the best places for you to learn is that they would just come with us to Sunday school. And so we would go and pick them up. And, and I never forget, after three years, one of those girls accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Went on to Columbia University in New York, finished as an honor student up there. Don't know where she is today. That's been many years ago. But those Chinese 
It wasn't because of their nationality. They still needed a Savior. They needed the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the Apostle Paul did. When I was there also, uh, a lot of folks were, the, a downturn in the economy in the early 1980s, I was telling some folks today, that in the late 1980s, more people, we saw more taillights coming out of Houston because of the oil crisis and more people foreclosing on their homes than any other, all the other uh, cities of our country added together to more people foreclosing on homes in Houston in the late 80s. During that time, uh, before that, though, there were a bunch of people who moved down from places where they were car manufacturing states, and so they were moving, and I would tell them, I said, look, we ministered a bunch of people from foreign countries, even people from Michigan, and uh, it wasn't about where you're from. Jesus died for them. They needed a savior. They needed Jesus. It's not by my family or my family background, not because he was the tribe of Benjamin or last name of Smith or Jones or whoever their last name was. One of the things that I've encountered several times in the ministry is people who would say to me, I know I'm a Christian because my grandfather is a preacher. It doesn't matter who your grandfather was. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It, it's, that's important. I, my parents are in heaven now. But each one of us as individuals need to come to know Christ as our own personal Savior. And the Apostle Paul knew that. It was not in confidence in his own flesh or his own background. It was not because of tradition. He was the Hebrew of the Hebrews. It's not by religion. It was a, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a difference that makes. He was a Pharisee in his background. He was a real religious Jew, if you want to put that in quotes. He had tried, tried to obey the law down to the letter. But he came on the Damascus Road to a personal relationship with Christ. And I tell people that when I got saved 52 years ago, I lost my religion and found a relationship, a personal relationship with the Savior, the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul had that as well. He was zealous. He had sincerity about him. People say, well, look at so-and-so, the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or the Muslims. Preacher, they're sincere. They're sincerely wrong. There is only one way, Jesus said in John 14, 6, that no man comes to the Father except by me, he said. It's not a test of truth whether we're sincere or not. The test of truth doesn't match up to this book. The test of truth. Paul was zealous. He was sincere. It's not by legalism. Touching the righteous, which is of the law, he said, I'm blameless. All outward appearances, he was, a, as I said, he was a model Jew. He was on easy street, if we would say it, if it was just through being a Jew, he was on easy street for salvation but he needed a heart change. He needed something on the inside, not on the outside. He needed someone who would open his eyes, the Spirit of God we sang about, who opens our eyes and opens our ears to the truth of the gospel as we're blinded by Satan himself 
and his eyes need to be open literally to the truth of the gospel. What things he thought was gain was actually loss. It really didn't count toward his salvation. Many false religions, he's speaking to the Judaizers who are saying you've got to add something to salvation to be able to be saved. They've been blinded. Their soul is doomed for hell unless they have their eyes open to the truth. But he found after all of this what true gain was all about. He says, yea, verse 8, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And notice these next two words, my Lord. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. We can't base it on our bank accounts or our careers or our relationships or our possessions, or our phones, or our games, or our friends. It's found in Christ Jesus alone. Confidence in the flesh after conversion for Paul changed to a confidence not in the flesh, but confidence in Christ. A confidence in him. Knowing Jesus Christ of the greatest value in his life. The knowledge of his son, to know him in a personal relationship. He says this, he says that I may, but the loss of excellency, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for I have suffered the loss of all things. And then verse nine, and be found in him. I like that phrase, don't you? In him. He's in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is the law but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ in you is the hope of glory, Paul said to the Colossians, believers. It was knowing him, my Lord, he says. He's my master. He's the Messiah, yes. He's the Savior, yes. But he's my master my Lord. He said, I count all of those things from the past. I count them as dung, manure, refuge, or it could be translated the scraps off of the table that the dogs eat. Very interesting to be saying that to Judaizers that he's already called dogs in verse two. I count it as rubbish. But Christ in me I am crucified with him. He died for me. Now, because of that, I'm to die to the sin in my life. I'm to die to self. He had said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ. What life is all about now, for me to live is Christ. 
to die is gain. Not my own righteousness, but now I have the righteousness which is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The great exchange. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A song called His Robes for Mine kind of portrays that, where now we have these, this, these, our own righteousness. By the way, it's nothing but filthy rags, Isaiah tells us. But now he's placed on us his righteousness. We have his righteousness, not by anything we've done in the flesh, but he says that comes by faith, by faith in the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some today might say, well, preacher, you don't know my background. I mean, I've been to a Christian school. I mean, truly, I'm saved. Josh gave a tremendous message on Wednesday night. We watched it online and he talked about his own salvation, how coming to ambassador, he came from a preacher's home and, and, and realized uh, at 20 years of age or so that he did not know Christ as Savior and put his faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. It's not by what background we have. It's not where we've been. Jesus takes us where we are takes us and gives us our greatest, our greatest need is knowing him as Savior. Knowing him in a personal way. He says this in verse 10 that I may know him. That verse has been, had a powerful effect in my own Christian walk. Paul was not saying, I need to know him in salvation. He already knew him in salvation. It's been almost 30 years now. But he said that I may get to know my God. The one that I can know, the one that I can trust, and the one that I can love and worship. That I may know him. That I may know him and know the power of his resurrection. The same resurrection dynamite that raised Jesus from the dead gives you and me the capacity to have victory over sin in our own life. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship, the koinonia of his sufferings. He didn't want to suffer in a way to be redemptive on the cross like Jesus did. He said all the different sufferings that Jesus has gone through, I'm going to share in those too. Not the ones just on the cross but all the persecution that Jesus went through as well. And on this day that we're praying for the persecuted Christians, it's very interesting that we get to this text. He says, and the fellowship, the partnership of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. He didn't know what kind of death he would die, but he knew he was going to die. And the one who had died for him gave him life. Real life. D.L. Moody said that one day you'll read in the paper that D.L. Moody has died. He said, don't you believe it. He said, I'll be more alive at that time than I've ever been in my life. Christ's death gave life to the Apostle Paul as he put his faith and trust in him. And verse 11 says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. 
This word resurrection here, the word that's used in the Greek is the only time that word is used in the New Testament. It means a, an outcoming from the corpse. And many have taken that to refer to the fact that the Apostle Paul didn't know when Jesus was coming back, but he knew he was going to come back. Could have been in his own lifetime. We preached last Sunday night on comfort one another with these words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And those words were that one day we may be caught up to meet the Lord of the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The apostle Paul was living in light of the fact that Jesus Christ could come back. That if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We're either going, I told you, I, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Either go, we're going to go in the rapture of the church or God is going to take us home one day. But Paul said that I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. What are you counting today? Are, are, you, are you counting in your own confidence, in your own flesh? Are you counting on somebody else, your background being so important that that's why you're, you know that you're saved? Apostle Paul said, you need a personal relationship with him. Like I found on the road to Damascus, he would say. And then after I'm saved, now these years later, I'm wanting to know him better. I'm wanting to get to know my God, the one that I'm going to trust and love. The theme of some Christian colleges, to know him, to know Christ, and to make him known, comes from this verse of Scripture in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Josh used a quote on Wednesday night from Jim Elliott, a very familiar quote that Jim Elliott gave. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Gaining? I'm gaining by losing. The Apostle Paul did the same. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I pray that today we would have a greater appreciation of the grace of Christ, the gospel of Christ, the work that he does in us and how, Lord, he's continuing to work today. I pray if there be one here today that's putting their confidence in something other than salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, that today they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ Nothing added. No confidence in our own flesh, but confidence in Christ and his finished work upon the cross. Father, I pray that today that you would do a work in us, that God, you would help us to count all the things from the past and things that we thought were real profit, count them as loss as Paul did but that we might today get to know him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Do a work in us that only you can accomplish to make us more like yourself, that we would realize that Christ in us is everything. We pray in his name. Amen.